A couple things, and then I want to pray and, and dive into Scripture together. Uh, one is that uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, we announced that uh, I am going to be taking a sabbatical in uh, in about a month. Uh, after the first week of October, um, I'll be headed out for, for a three-month sabbatical. Um, if you've been around Mosaic for any amount of time, you might be familiar with what that is. Uh, if, if you're new or new to paying attention, um, that is, is just a normal practice of rest that we get from Scripture and um, I just need to tell you that uh, particularly on a morning like this, uh, thinking about a sabbatical is very mixed for me. Um, to imagine being away uh, from uh, my church family, our church family for uh, three months uh, is actually difficult. And I hear that and sound like, oh, you get to just go away, and which I am looking forward to that as well. Thus, it's mixed. But um, to be able to, to gather regularly in the relationships that, that I have with so many of you, um, and on a morning like this where we get to worship and sing together, which, side note, can we just say thanks to those that are leading our music? And um, and as we clap, if you don't know, you're clapping for a team of volunteers that are working in the booth back there to make all this work and make sense, and then the people that we see up here, which... Another side note, Phil was a leader in training, Maya was a leader in training, Chris is a leader in training, and so you see how we actually get to benefit from that as a church. Um, but it's mixed for me to be, think about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, and in some ways ready and eager to be away and to rest and replenish. Um, but then also uh, there is a, a mix where it's, it is hard to be away. Um, October marks for me 15 years of being here as lead pastor, um, and it's one of the greatest gifts of... Thank you. Um, that's very sweet. I wasn't planning on that. I need to think through why people clap a little more and plan that out ahead. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, 15 years, and it's been uh, amazing. And I don't mean that just on a personal level, but for our family as well. Um, and one of the things that I, I um, it's a gift to know as many pastors as I do in our city um, and to walk with so many of them after all these years. Uh, and to know the, the need to, to rest well uh, and to plan and prepare well for the long haul and not just a short sprint. Um, and so I'm, I'm anticipating and looking forward to a sabbatical um, because of what I know it will do in me and for me. And I'm, I'm asking and expecting God to work in a new way so that I will be able to lead, lead for the long haul. And so... Um, yeah, sabbaticals look different within the church in different environments, the academy, um, uh, 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 companies, those kind of things, it's different. And so for me, it's a, it's a time to rest and uh, be with my family, be with, with God and, and ask him to work in me in a new and deeper way to learn uh, and then come back and ready for what God has next for us as a church. So just want to let you know that that's happening. I'll be here for uh, this and three more Sundays, and then after the first Sunday in October, I'll be gone for three months and back in early January. Uh, the other uh, thing I had to announce is, is gonna come, oh, 
This isn't really an announcement, just a reminder. We're taking last week, this week, and next week out of the book of Luke, and we'll jump back in the last uh, Sunday in September. If you've been around or been watching, paying attention, we've been working our way through the book of Luke, uh, and it's and we'll pick that back up September 25th. But want to take last week, this week, and, and next week just to say, God, where are we and where, where are you leading us as a church? So I want to do that now, and if you would, would you pray with me? And then we'll open up Scripture together. God, you are, are here. This is, this is your space, your time, your agenda. And we want to get on board with you and with that agenda. We want to, to be very well aware that we are in your space. We are here to meet with you. You have planned and orchestrated and ordained that we would join with you. And so would you, Holy Spirit, would you sharpen our minds and wake us up and help us to be attentive and not distracted? Would you have our very hearts would be molded by and shaped by and awakened by you and renewed by you, Holy Spirit? And so would you be working and moving in this space? Jesus, you are our King and our Savior. You're good. And we sing to you with smiles on our faces and joy in our hearts because you are alive and you are working and you are active. And we want to know you more and better. We want you to be the one who guides us and shapes us, that makes sense of this world and this time that we live in, and that leads us forward. And we know and, and declare that to follow you and to be your disciple and to become more like you in this time and place takes courage and resiliency, and we want that from you. We don't want that to be generated on our own. And so today, as we gather, as we sing, as we look to your word, as we consider what it is that you want to do in our life in the next few moments, hours, days, weeks, months, years, would you have our minds, our hearts, our wills, would you have us right now? As we look to your word, would you lead us and guide us? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Friend uh, shared this, I shared this last week, I wrote it in a letter, um, but if you didn't catch either one of those, this, a friend shared a, a line with me from Mr. Rogers uh, about five, six weeks ago, um, and, and this is it. Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers says this, he says, life is deep and simple, and what society gives us is complicated and shallow. What society gives us is shallow and complicated. So life, he says, is deep and simple. And what the world offers us is shallow and complicated. And, and maybe you hear that and you, and you think like, uh, life in no way feels deep or simple. Why would he say life is deep or simple? Uh, Mr. Rogers happened to, to know Jesus really well, um, followed Jesus, viewed his, his, uh, his life's you know, work on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood as uh, a way to love people. And his idea of what that meant was shaped by Jesus because he was a follower of Jesus. And so he, he, from Jesus, has this sense that life is actually meant to be really deep and simple. And what we experience in the world so often is shallow and, and complicated. And we know that. Like, I think about life and the, the first things that I think of oftentimes are what's in my schedule and what's out in front of me and what I have and the things that just naturally, normally generate anxiety in me. And life feels very complicated. And then when it feels complicated and I think about those things for a moment, I long for something that is deeper and I, I'm aware of the ways that my life is shallow and maybe that I'm not known or connected with whether it be my wife or my sons or my friends. I, there's so much of this that resonates with me that 
that life is intended to be deep and simple and what we experience so often is, is not that, it's shallow and complicated. It resonated with me because I think this is what God's calling us to, is to a life that is simple and deep. Last week we talked, and I wanna review some of this um, quickly, but we, we looked at a, at a people who were experiencing a very complicated life, a life that took them out of what they wanted and longed for and was normal and put them into a place that was everything that they did not want. As God uh, pulled, lovingly disciplined, but pulled his people from Jerusalem, the promised land, and placed them in, in exile in a foreign land with everything that was foreign, and they didn't want or like any of it. And they felt like a very different people because so much had changed, and so they're in Babylon. And he says this in Jeremiah chapter uh, 29 verses four, and four through six. We read them a year ago. We read them last week. Listen to them again. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he tells them to do this, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number and do not decrease. He, he tells them, to do things that they know how to do. When they're in a time and a place and an experience that is everything that they do not want, and all they can think about is returning home, returning to the way things were, which were really good in some ways. So much so that to the point that they're going to their leaders, their prophets that are among them in their community in Babylon and saying, tell us that this is gonna end soon. Well, we, we've done that, right? Tell me this is gonna be over soon and we'll get back to what was. They were doing that. Tell us this is gonna end soon. God follows it up by saying, don't tell your prophets to tell you what you want to hear, but listen to what I'm telling you. You're gonna be here for a while. And so here's what I want you to do. And they were thinking everything is complicated, everything is destroyed, everything is bad. When will this end? And he says, do the things that you know how to do. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Build houses and settle down. Continue to be and grow a family. Do what you know how to do. Do the things that are simple. And simple is this, this word that I, I don't know how that lands with you. Um, there's a lot of different things you might think when you can think of simple. I've had friends that, that said, uh, uh, simple isn't good. I want something more. No. Well, simple is, uh, is for sure not complicated, right? Simple by definition is not complicated. Um, that's, that's good. That's helpful. We also need to acknowledge and know that simple is not necessarily easy. Simple does not necessarily and does not equate to being easy. Simple is not easy. I, I don't, I've never really planted a garden. For the people of Israel that moved from Jerusalem into Babylon to plant a garden there, they knew how to do that. That doesn't make it easy. There's still work behind it. There's still effort that's required. Simple, I know what to do. Simple actually is something that is clear. It's not complicated. It's not necessarily easy. It's not easy, but it's clear. And the other thing that simple is, is it's accessible. So when God is telling his people in the midst of all that's going on, do the things you know how to do, they actually can access those things. And as we talked about last week, what happens next is that God says this. He says, here's the simple things I'm gonna call you to. They're clear and they're accessible. They're not necessarily easy. And he says this in, in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And if you don't know this verse, um, it, it shows up, I, I, uh, this is a verse that followers of Jesus have rightly taken and, and broadcast many times. Some of you have memorized it. 
Some of you have uh, some kind of drink container in your kitchen that has this printed on it. Some of you have it on a, on a screenshot with a very nice background and a, just a, a glorious godly font, I'm sure. And it says these words, and they are true and they are good, but listen to where they come from. Listen to their origin. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Gosh, we need these words. We need these words. Without these words, we are missing a part of who God is. We are missing a part of his character. In the time when we've been taken out of everything that we want and love, and we've been placed in another time where there's very little that we want, and we dislike a lot of it, and we want to get back over here, it's in that place that God says, he has a plan for us. Now, we know this, that we so easily and quickly can be rewrite that in our own minds and hearts to say, okay, God finally has heard my plan and has signed off on it. Which is so helpful to know that God has just said, it's not your plan. Stop telling your prophets to tell you what you want to hear. It's my plan, but it's for your good and it's for you to prosper. And it's to give you hope and a future. So part of God's plan is to have a hope and a future in the midst of all the things that we do not like. And that's because of and only because of him. But he says, I've given you, I, have, I have a plan for you. And then he says this, then you will call. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's not the easiest thing to hear to digest, to embrace. But one of the things that God was doing in his people, in the moment of having them in exile, in the moment where everything that they didn't want, they didn't want the weather, they didn't want the food, they didn't want the language, they didn't want the culture, they didn't want the religion or the faith. There's nothing that they wanted in Babylon. And God says to them, in that place, when you realize that I have your good in mind, that I have a plan, that I'm still in control, you will cry out to me and know this, that I'm gonna listen. I'm there, I'm present, I'm going to listen. Man, I, I wanna hear something else. I want a timeline, I want action, I want to know what the hope in the future is and then I want to know that it's really close and that it's gonna happen. And God is saying, I, I want your heart. I, I want who you really are. I want, I want you to stop being fixated on the complications that drive anxiety in your life. I want you to stop settling for a shallow existence. I want you to know that the God of the universe that created you and crafted you and made you and knows you and loves you wants your attention and wants your heart. I'm so glad that, what, that this is not something that says they worked hard enough and then God awarded them and brought them back. But he says, I'm, I'm gonna allow you to experience things that is gonna bring you in closer relationship to the God of the universe. I want your heart. When we hear that life is deep, it's this thing that resonates within us that says, yes, we're more there's more going on. I have a deeper longing. There's more to me than many people know. There's a deeper longing in me that I have a hard time putting words to at times. I have a deep longing that actually puts me 
in an unsettled place because there's deep needs that aren't being met. And God says, deep is, is not shallow. And what we see in Scripture over and over and over, and this is just simply one example at a, at a crisis moment, but we see that for God, what is deep about our lives is that he wants all our hearts. And so he says, with all your hearts. And if you think of the other things that say with all our hearts, that what we're called to is love the one God with all of our hearts and with all of our minds and with all of our strength and with all of our will. That Jesus says that's the greatest commandment. That God is concerned first and foremost about our hearts. And the reason that this is important and that we, that we understand that there's a, that, that we have a depth that God is concerned about of who we are with all our hearts and that there's a simplicity of the things he invites us into. It's helpful for us to say that at this time, and this is one of the things that I wrote in the letter is that I think God in this time is calling us to simple and deep paths that bring us closer to him, to bring us more and to experience his presence on a regular basis. In this time, in this season, there are always gonna be things that vie for our attention. And God is saying, I wanna cut through those things and, and make some simple paths so that we can be together. And not together on a, on a shallow level, but so that you can know that I know more of you that you can be known to me and I can be known to you. That God wants your attention and wants your heart and wants to renew and transform and change you. Over and over and over again, that's God's concern. We, uh, we talked last week about two paths in the midst of, um, we spent some time just kind of reviewing, hey, where are we and we're in this world that is, is, is very different than two and a half, three years ago. So we think about economically, socially, politically, uh, personally, spiritually, all the different ways that we can assess what's going on in life right now, that we are in a very, very different place. And that there's two ways to respond to that generally. And one is to be critical about everything, which gosh, we have skills in that beyond skills, beyond ability. We are good at being critical. And so we can feed that. And as we're critical, we can quickly move to cynicism we can be cynical about everything, including the God who knows us and loves us. And where that path leads is actually to one of despair. We, none of us want to be there. And as I say that word despair, I'm aware that there are some of you right now that feel like that's where you're at. And you're wondering why you're even here today sitting in this room or maybe listening or watching. And you think this is the one last chance I don't know what this is all about. I don't know what it means anything. You've chosen that path intentionally or unintentionally, and that's where you are. And you need to know that there is another path that is in the opposite direction, but it is very, very close to where you are. And it takes just a few steps to switch from the path that leads to despair to the path that leads to where God is wanting and calling you. And it's a path that still has a an ability to assess and look outside and to say that things are not okay, that there is brokenness in this world, that there is injustice in this world, that there is sin in this world that makes all of this such a mess. But then it takes it and it looks in the mirror and it says, what are the things in me that need to change? And instead of going down that path to cynicism and despair, what it does is it says, God, this is not all okay and I'm going to turn to you because you say that when I cry out to you, you will listen. And so I'm gonna cry out to you and I'm gonna agree with you that this is not all okay, that you see this and want it differently as well. And what's gonna happen is when we do that, we grow in our hunger 
to become different people that will partner with God and join with God with his renewal of all that is broken in the world. And that if that seems like some far off pie in the sky thing, what we have is God doing that faithfully over and over and over again. And we can choose to believe in the history and the story and say, he's going to do it again. And he's going to do it in me. And he's going to do it in what we see around us. And it may be in our lifetime and it may not be. But we can choose that path to say, I'm going to go to a place that joins my hunger with God's plan for this world. We use the word holy discontent. I'm discontent with the way things are in me and the world, but it's holy in that it's going to walk with God into those things. Those are two paths that are available in front of us. One of the illustrations that I've come back to, and maybe you're sick of hearing it, and so if you are, just give me just 90 seconds here, but one of the illustrations that has been helpful for me in this last two and a half years has been that of lowering the water level in a pond, of lowering the water level and what is exposed in that. We live in a world today that if you've read the news over the last few days, the flooding that has gone on in Pakistan, that there's devastation there, and so there's some parts in our world that has too much water, and then we know we are in one of the regions that doesn't have enough. We have enough here in, in Oregon, but to the south, there's a, a lack of water in our state and in the next state below. And we have other places and pictures and reports of where there's a lack of water. And there's reports all, really all over the world. I think it was in Germany that one, one river is so low that it revealed a World War II uh, ship. And they are not moving that and taking a look at that and going, oh, this is so cool. We get to see this. And well, we found this. And then you've got Lake Mead in California that last I saw there's four human bodies that have been revealed because the water level went down. I'm sorry if that's a little bit morbid, but what happens when the water level goes down, we can see more. And some of it is really good. It's interesting. It's fun. Maybe we even discover, find something. And then other parts of it is, no, nope, let's, let's put a little more water in there so we don't have to find any more bodies. I don't want to see anymore. This reveals, we know that that's been our experience over the last two and a half years. We've learned more about ourselves. More has been revealed. And when that happens, we have a choice on how to respond. And when we choose the path of saying, God, there's so much that's not right, but I want to step with you. I want to have your kind of discontent with myself and the world. One of the things that we do is we end up realizing that there's a need for confession and to say, God, this is not right. One of the definitions of confession is that we agree with God. When it's, when it's personally, we say, God, this is not right within me. And so I want to agree with you that this is not right and acknowledge that it's wrong. And then in the world, we can confess for the world. We can acknowledge what's wrong in the world. There's ways of doing that that confess of things that we have done that are wrong. Those are commission. We've done something. The other kinds of confession are omission, things that we have not done. And say it this way, there are sins of omission that we commit when we had the chance to do right and we chose not to do it. And some of us know the pain of that and we've confessed that. I want you to consider some things that maybe you have not done that God wants to use in your life to transform you. One of the things that as we talk about simple paths forward are not new and ingenious things that I came up with or some of our leaders came up with. They're things that we find in scripture over and over and over again that God has used in his people. It's as simple as planting gardens and building houses and growing families. Simple not in the sense that it's easy, it's not. 
but that it's clear and accessible. And there are things that God has called us and invited into that, that many of us have not engaged in and not participated in. And so I want you to consider three things with me this morning that I think God is calling us into. And I, I, I've, I've come across this, this verse, God's taken me back to this verse that um, he used in, in, in my life a, a long time ago and brought me back to it in a book I was reading recently. Um, but it's, it's Psalm 40. I want you to listen to these verses in Psalm 40. He starts this way. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Right there. I waited patiently. I was crying out to God. I was seeking God. And he listened to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I, I read that and I think of the water level going down and going, I don't want to be here. I don't want to see anymore. I want to get back to the way things were. And God takes us out of that and puts us on something that is solid. We can still see it. It's still there. But we're not in it any longer. And then he says this in verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Sacrifice and offerings you don't desire and you did not require. Well, then God explain to me what is going on in Exodus and Leviticus. Because there's a lot in there about how to sacrifice and how to make offerings over and over and over and over again. And then we have in the middle of those two statements, this statement that, but you've opened my ears. And that's easy just to like kind of go, okay, God opened my ears, he got my attention. This, this is a fascinating line to me. It sounds so simple, right? We can just breeze right over it. You have opened my ears. The Hebrew word for opened is to dig. Wait, you didn't, did you not catch that? Isn't that fascinating? No. Dig, dug. You have dug my ears. Okay. The difference between saying you opened my ears, like I wasn't listening and you got my attention or there was something in there and you unplugged it. The difference between that and you have dug my ears is entirely different. Like I have ears and they need a little help and so God shows up and helps. That's entirely different than saying that God in his handiwork, is his intentionality, what God did was when he was forming me and when he was forming you, he actually made our ears. He dug them. Like they weren't there and then he created them. Do you realize how different listening is than seeing, tasting, touching? Like, you can think about this later this week. I'm fascinated by this. Like I can see something and you can see something and, and we can kind of assume it's the same thing. We can taste something and disagree and, and have our own opinion on what we taste like. We can, we can touch something and we kind of agree that's what it is. But listening, I can hear things that nobody else can hear and so can you. And I don't mean that like I'm crazy. I mean, when I hear things, you might not know that I ever hear them. There is a depth and a personal touch to being created with the capacity to hear from God. And granted, it doesn't just happen because our ears functionally work. They're connected to a deeper part of us. And I know all the other senses are as well. But the God of the universe dug ears into me and you so that he could be in relationship with you and I. He wanted to get into our very soul. There's a deep part of who we are 
that by saying, I opened your ears, is saying, God, you dug my ears for me. I was created to be in relationship with you. All the other senses contribute to that as well, but there is something unique about hearing from God. And so there's three things that, that I want to invite us to, to hear from God. And it's so fascinating. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, you did not require. There's books in the Bible. There's a whole lot of pages in the Bible. There's a whole lot of study been done about all the details and all the temple and the worship and all the things that define them as a God. And through all of that, God is saying, I want you. I want to be in relationship with you. Yeah, all that bulls and blood and calves and goats and who, everything that they killed. He said, yeah, I want you to know how holy I am and set apart him, but I want, I want you. I want to be in relationship with you. I created you for relationship with me. Three ways. One is, is scripture. I told you, nothing new, nothing fancy. Uh, for Christmas, in December of 2019, I've talked about this before. I got a box set of, of a Bible that was printed in different kind of paper and stuff. It's a hardback book. It's normal pages. Not These are like, you know, if you've got a Bible like this, these are special holy Bible pages. It's just like normal book pages that it's printed on. And the, the chapter title and the verses aren't in there. And I feel like I'm reading a normal book, not like a, a unique book. And there's something that has been so good for my soul in that, that I've read through. And I've read Exodus and Leviticus and all of that stuff. And, and there's something about just meeting with God regularly and reading his word and parts of it that I understand and so familiar with and that, that bring my, my heart alive and other parts of it that I go, God, I hope nobody else knows this is in here. Or parts where I've dozed off. I set my alarm a half hour to an hour earlier, starting on January 1st, 2020. And I've done that probably 90, 95% of the days of the last two and a half, almost three years now. And I've read through the Bible in a whole. Uh, I'll finish the third time. Every year I've gotten through it. Year I've had to make up at times and, and that kind of thing. But I'm about set to, to read through. And God has met me in that place. And it, is, it has become a habit for me that I welcome and look forward to. We're going we're gonna to start October 1st, just a reading plan that's offered to all of us. And it's an invitation to say, here's, a, here's an experience that you know about. And this is not news to anyone. It's not a new idea. We're going to do the, the Read Scripture app that our friends down the street at um, Bible Project started a number of years ago. And so maybe you're already familiar with it and using it. If not, it's an easy way. It's just a simple, not easy, simple, clear and accessible way for us to meet with God. And sometimes God is going to say something to you that you're going to hear. And other times you're going to say, I don't know what's going on. I'm really bored. I have to get to work. And that's okay too. Eugene Peterson says this about the, the process of reading scripture. Um, he says, the act of reading has become an act of listening. The ear takes over from the eye and involves the heart that that's what happens when we read scripture. It's not something just a study that's disconnected to us, but it's a way that God is trying to get to us in our heart. That's the first one, scripture, is a way to engage that October one. The second one is prayer. Nothing new. Some of you feel like, ah, you've got that down and that's an awesome way that you hear from God. Others of you hear prayer and you're like, I'm not trying that again. I tried and I fell asleep. I tried and it didn't work out. I tried and I'm more disillusioned. It's a way to say, come be on this path with me. Cry out to me. 
wait with me. I'm listening, God is saying. For me, it's, uh, we started, I think, a year ago this month, um, a prayer and fasting rhythm. I think we started at noon a year ago. We moved it to 7 a.m. on Tuesdays. And, um, and again, that's, that's early, right? Um, I have not been a morning person prior to the last couple years. This past year, that has become something that I look forward to. There's typically just a few of us that meet on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. right here, in the, right inside those double doors right there, and we circle up and we just pray. We pray for our church, our city, ourselves. And there's a prayer and fasting guide that I've been writing for the last year once a week, and that has become a way that I've met with God. And I enjoy doing that. Our team's gonna take that over as, as I'm out on sabbatical for a couple months. But there are ways that we wanna provide that you can pray and learn how to pray and grow in prayer over the next coming months. There's a third way, scripture, prayer. Uh, and then the third one is, is something we're calling triad. It's not our name, we got it from somebody else. And I'm gonna invite Kim up here uh, to share a little bit about what that looks like and how we can participate in that. Um, but uh, scripture, a prayer, and then triad. And so Kim, will you kind of share what, uh, uh, what a triad is and what your experience has been with that? Yes, absolutely. So um, a triad is a group of three people that gather monthly. What this is, is this is a tool, this is a method that we can use to really seek God together and to witness him at work in each other's lives. So we, we wanna do that through this format called triads. And it is, um, I'll just read that definition. Triads are monthly gatherings of three people who enter an intentional sacred time to grow deeper with Jesus by talking listening to each other and him and witnessing him at work in our lives. So what we want to do as a people is we want to grow in knowing Jesus's voice. That's something that is key to being a Jesus follower in the city and key to being a church together, that we are listening to Jesus. In John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And we need each other to do that. That's something that I feel like... Um, that I need, I need to be listening. We live in a noisy, noisy world that is full of distractions. It is, everything is constantly vying for our attention. So to be able to enter a practice where we can sit and we can reflect and people can help say, I see Jesus at work here in your life. I just heard this actually helps us slow down and see that. Um, one of the things, to, uh, a couple of our staff members have been participating in this for a couple of years, um, for a year to a couple of years. And I get to be one of those. And I'm so excited that we get to do this as a church because it has been so profound in my own life. I um, meet on Zoom with two women and one of them's in Alaska and one of them's in California. And um, we just take time together. Once a month, we're gonna do it here at Mosaic. We're gonna have a season of it from October to March. And what we do is we just talk and pray and um, we, we mediate for each other, thinking through um, where is the spirit at work here? So as the person's talking, it's thinking, what is Jesus saying about this? What is he saying to this person? Where am I seeing him work? So you actually train yourself to have ears. If they're getting dug out, we're, we're starting to use them to listen to his voice. And then also just the joy of witnessing him at work in each other's lives. Can you throw up um, the first? We, there's three things that I wanted to um, just point through 
point out here. This is, this is the type of people that we want to be, that the experience of these triads will help us be. It'll help give us a format for it. But so the first is learning to listen to Jesus and hear his voice. And the second is experiencing growth and nourishment from him. So the other thing that I think about a lot is that um, there's a big difference between self-care that we're all familiar with, we're all familiar with the term me time or self-care, but and soul care. And we really can't own our own soul care. That is something that we need Jesus to do. He is the one who tends to our soul. He is the one who nourishes it. So this is another practice that happens that we get to slow down and we get to create space for him to nourish us. Um, and then witnessing him at work in our lives, in the lives of others, and in the world around us. For many of us, that is something that is hard. That it's hard to practice attentiveness to what God is doing, but it is so incredible when we start to do that. And this practice helps us do that with, with ourselves and with each other. We start to, the, the course of several months with people where you see, I, with my two friends getting to see the story that God is telling through their lives from the first things that we're noticing from him to, you know, three, four months later. And it's like, God, God was working there and we got to be part of seeing him doing that. It just makes us have hearts that overflow with gratitude for him. And that's really the type of people that we wanna be. So I wanna invite you, I wanna invite all of us here to be um, part of triads. We, um, right now you can start praying about and thinking about, you might have two people that you are knowing I wanna do this with them. These are the two people that I wanna enter this space with monthly. And you might not have that and you want maybe us to prayerfully help put that group together. Both are options. What you're gonna to wanna to do is you're gonna to wanna to sign up on our website. It's on the events page or at the Deep and Simple um, page. You can sign up. We're gonna have a training on Thursday night, October 6th. We'll have, like, we'll have dessert and stuff like that. But it'll be um, from 7 to 8.30. We're gonna have just a time where it's a very... Um, it's simple and deep. Hope so. Yeah. It's a, it's a, everybody here can do it and it is deep and meaningful. You just have to set aside the time and enter the process for that. Um, we'll be talking more about this in the weeks to come. And for some, you're like, that's, I've never heard of something like that before. Or you're like, I'm kind of, thank you, Kim. Yeah. Um, and um, so as you, as you hear that, um, it's, it's intended to be, it's something that I've experienced for this past year, um, and it's so great. As we're rooted in scripture, as we're talking and listening to God regularly on our own, and then actually processing that with others and having somebody listen with us, um, it's a profound way that God can work in us uh, and, and transform us and continue to renew us. And so, um, again, more of that is in the weeks to come. As Kim said, there's a date out there uh, to start that. So if, I want to invite you to consider, um, consider that and to be praying about that. Who might God want those conversations to be with? Who are two other people? Um, it's clear. It's accessible. It's monthly. It's something that we can fit in and do. I want to invite you to do this. Um, would you close your eyes with me as we uh, continue to, to worship and to come to, come to the table uh, and to take communion together? Um, Jesus, as we uh, approach your table, um, we, we want this act to be a, another habit, another practice, another rhythm that you use in our life to reorient us to your path and not our own. We confess that we can be critical and cynical 
and move towards despair. And we do not want that. We want to step with you and walk with you and hear from you. We want your power in our lives. We want your presence all the time with us. And so would you help us to take our holy discontent and hold that before you. As we come to your table, we are reminded and taught and step into the story and the taste again that you are the one that gave your life for us to give us hope and a future. And so as we take your cup that represents your blood shed for us and as we take the cracker that represents your body broken, we do it knowing that we are with a family that is walking towards you together. We do it knowing that your promises are true. It's in your name that we pray.